Into the wild I'll go and into the wild I am It's been a while, freedom child Since I left my roots back home Into the wild I'll go Into the wild I am It's been a while, freedom child Since I left my roots back home Welcome to the Free Birth Society podcast. This is a radical space for women who are ready to celebrate their autonomous choices in birth, motherhood, and beyond. Together, we'll learn about wild birth through personal narrative, we'll explore the politics of birth, and we'll analyze everything that relates to our lives as women from a feminist perspective. Here's your host, Emily Saldea. It's been a wild freedom ready to become the powerful matriarch and wise woman you are here on this earth to be? Wherever you are on your path, Freebirth Society has a program perfectly curated for you. Learn everything you need to know to be prepared for a powerful birth experience with our flagship course, The Complete Guide to Free Birth. Join our groundbreaking Radical Birth Keeper School, an immersive, authentic midwifery intensive, and reclaim birth work as it's meant to be. Take charge of your family's health and wellness and become the herbal healer of your home with our new course, Wild Mother Medicine Chest. Prepare your mind, body, spirit, for conscious conception through welcoming your spirit baby home and call your next baby in. Awaken your innate womb wisdom and remove any fear or doubt about your upcoming birth with our Sovereign Birth Meditation Series. And finally, gain the simple tools you need to peacefully resolve pregnancy aches and exhaustion, pain with body full of grace, and be able to truly enjoy your pregnancy. Head over to Free Birth Society Courses now to join the global sisterhood and elevate your life. we have my friend Carlin on the show, sharing her journey into sovereignty. Carlin's first experience of pregnancy ended in an abortion in the medical system, which came with it many lessons for her to digest. When her second pregnancy ended in a first trimester early birth, she turned to her partner, the land, and the wisdom of her own body to find her way forward. Her third pregnancy resulted in her sweet daughter being free birthed, supported by her husband and, well, me on the phone. Carlin speaks honestly about how much resistance she had to birth itself, to feeling the pain, and how much stronger she has become on the other side. Carlin. Hi. Hey, girl. Hey. 
All right, let's dive on in. I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to hear your whole story from start to finish because I know little parts of it. Um, yeah. yeah, so let's open up with the question. Um, tell me about who you are at the point when you know that you're going to free birth. So let's just kind of start with whatever that part of your journey you know, brings you to in your mind when you start to, because for people it's different, right? Some women know in a second, as soon as they hear it. And for others, it's like a slow, a slow simmer. So tell us about whatever it is for you when you start to steer your life towards um, either quickly or slowly, you know, knowing that you are going to free birth your first baby. Yeah. Okay. So this is what's crazy is when I think about it, I'm like, wow, maybe I am somewhere in between because when I heard about it, I was like, that is so badass, right? Like that is beautiful. That is totally something that I want to do. And then I just went down the rabbit hole, right? I, I think I found Yolanda somehow online because those birth photos are just so powerful. And then it cascaded into finding you, finding the podcast. And like, I'm so funny. I just like start from season one. I'm like, okay, I'm going to start at season one and work my way up. Hearing all of that. And I had a previous history of, I had been pregnant once before and I chose to terminate that pregnancy. So I have this experience of interacting with the system. Right. And then I start to hear all of these stories on the podcast and other stories online and just like affirming the experience that I had, right? Like really waking myself up to it because I had this entire way of living my life where I was incredibly dissociated from my body, from the experiences that I was having, particularly the one where I chose to terminate the pregnancy. I went into Planned Parenthood, you know, no questions were asked. No information was given. You know, I was given like the two pills and then they asked for my blood type. And because I was O negative, they gave me a shot. Oh my God. Yeah. I had absolutely no idea what it was. I had no idea that it was Rogam. I had no idea about any of it right? Like I just easy. Okay. Yeah. Hit me. (laughs) Yeah. Like, so, but I'm like, so good girl. I was so good at being so good, like following the rules. I was in university, like all of these things that were so important. And yet also choosing an abortion. That's pretty counter to the good girl narrative. Well, yeah, I guess. I mean, for me, it was like, I know that I made that decision now and it wasn't like actually for me. I think it was for all of the things that told me that it was inappropriate at that time to have a child. So like in those ways, I felt like I was being a good girl. I felt like that was actually the correct thing to do was this isn't the right time. So obviously I'm not going to have this child. And was it, from a different man than who's now the father of your child? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Of why I also did what I did. Um, Just the path that that guy was down and this was just so random. 
Yeah. And, you know, hearing all of the stories and just like having that affirming experience for myself, there's no way that I'm stepping back into that system. And then even hearing about women who have had, um, you know, like they're experiencing early birth, they're experiencing a miscarriage and they enter into the system and there's nothing there for them. It's right. Not, yeah. It's not, oh. it's not. No, it's, yeah. it's actually really shitty. What most women don't understand is that if you are beginning the process of miscarriage and you go into the system, they will give you an abortion. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like in terms of the literal um, procedures and certainly that's not the language they use, but um, you know, it's essentially. But that's exactly what's happened, right? Like all of the experiences I heard, here's some pills, go home, like figure it out. And I was just like, not going to be in that camp anymore. Like I was well, done. And with a miscarriage in the system, they would do a, a surgical extraction. They would do a, a vacuum, you know, and they would vacuum out the contents most likely because you're going into the ER, you know, and yeah, it's just, it's so gnarly. The whole thing is so gnarly. Okay. So you obviously do not have a positive experience. And I do not have a positive experience with that early termination that I chose. And then found you went down the rabbit hole and like, yes, whole body. Yes. To this, like, of course I'm going to now free birth. Right. And then I ended up getting laid off of work. The perfect combination of things for like, Oh, I want to step into this work, like women's work. I felt so passionate about it. It's so important. How can I offer this to my community? How can I continue to like, proliferate this message in a way that feels good and you had a pretty male dominated kind of job when you got laid off right like it was oh, very yeah. techie mm -hmm. pretty total tech corporate right I love like, it I love how many women get converted through the free birth movement to like land into their womanhood and into serving women and it's pretty cool it's awesome. You know what? I swear it's just like, it all happens at birth, right? You say this so often and it's true. We just know it in our bones. And as soon as that information is presented, like I get chills even talking about this now. Cause I'm like, how would I have ever have said no? I would have had to have been like that dissociated, like that, like not in touch with like what my body and like like every level essence of self is saying yes to, mm. you know? So yeah, entered the RBK school and then I got pregnant. And that is the current man that I'm with now. I ended up with an early birth around nine weeks. And that was a few weeks into the school. A few weeks, probably more like, I think halfway through maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that is actually where like I connected with myself and my chosen termination, right? And like kind of processing and understanding how that really wasn't a choice for me. It was a choice for everything else around me. And then as I was losing my child or as that birth started happening for me, there wasn't even a thought in my mind to seek out care elsewhere. Like I just radically decided to trust my body. 
and and I don't I don't even remember questioning it once like I just remember going through it I remember the cramping pretty intensely and I just remember like knowing like day one of some cramping and some spotting and then day two with some intense cramping I was like okay yeah like this child isn't like a possibility for me anymore in the way that I wanted it to be right and you were already aligned if that pregnancy had stayed viable you were already planning a free birth so the, the tilt definitely is still a test for some you know some women think they're going to free birth and then um lose the pregnancy and still choose the system and you know whatever one step at a time but I think for you yeah you were already so on the path that you know early or or term or whatever it was pretty clear what you were gonna do yeah I think you know what's so insane is just like the way that we don't talk about these experiences right like I think that's why I love and had such an affinity for the work that you do and the podcast and hearing these like anecdotal experiences right from these women it helps so much in understanding what I was going through right I remember trying to figure out like looking online trying to find something grasp to something like what's going on what can I expect And I'm so glad I didn't actually find much or anything, (laughs) right? Other than it's going to happen. Like you're going to give birth. There's one way out of this. And it was really uh, transformational for me. And I'm so grateful that it happened that way. Meaning to get to complete the cycle in your Mm -hmm. own home and, and be with this loss entirely. Yeah, totally. And just having my partner there who was incredibly supportive. And, you know, like even that night, I just remember knowing when everything was complete. It's amazing. Like once you start to trust yourself, it's like these lights turn on and you can't help but just like trust the no, you know, like trust what's happening. And so knowing that it was complete and taking, you know, what, whatever it was that I had collected from that birth and we got to bury it outside under the moon in this yard. It just felt really, yeah, full circle. And like how grateful I was for the opportunity to understand what my body and my like psyche is capable of. Like it felt really big. Well, and you get to have an intact experience, like yeah. how, how disorienting, you know, to, to begin the process of losing a pregnancy and going into a place with strangers and have them suck it out and, you know, often be quite inhumane and insensitive and um, even secretive. And gosh, there's just such a range of horrific stories. It's just so disorienting, I would imagine you know, versus when I think about the surprise of losing a pregnancy, right, which is always going to be a surprise to a pregnant woman, Mm -hmm. and orienting around that, beginning the process, completing it in your home, burying the the remains, you know, on the land, 
being with your partner who made the baby with you, like it just feels as sad as it might be for some, for a wanted pregnancy, for others, it could be quite a relief, but, but for a desired pregnancy, just getting to have such an intact experience from start to finish allows for, for integration in a way that the system, like, how do you integrate such a disembodied experience? Right. The only way that I did was through the complete, right. Like almost mirroring it again in, in a complete way. Cause there, it's just like so disorienting, right. And so disjointed. Yeah. It's weird. I like your term of, of I like the visual of the lights turning on because it really is like that. And then, and then the, the central voice, like your inner knowing your self-authority and there's lots of names for what we could call it. But when the lights are on, um, it, life becomes a lot more simple you know, it's not as confusing. And I think when your self-authority light is dull or off, it's hella confusing in there. I would imagine. I've never really had it be that off, but I imagine it's pretty confusing to not know, you know, which way is up. Yeah. I get chills when you say that because it's true, right? It can get really confusing when you are consistently outsourcing your choices, you know, and when you're getting bombarded with just like, authority, somebody else's decision for you, somebody else's opinion, and you're like choosing that route. Yeah, it gets confusing because what are we doing? We're overriding that innate sense of self. And yeah, it gets really fucking foggy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you have this experience, you're in the middle of RBK, which I'm sure is blowing your mind. (laughs) (laughs) And you have this pretty prolific experience and and then what happens? Yeah. And then I get through RBK. I start hosting circles mm-hmm. for like prenatal circles for pregnant women in the area. Love that. It was so life-changing. I mean, we had a woman who showed up at 34 weeks, fired her midwife, hired me at 36 (laughs) and like free birthed her baby at like 40 weeks. And it's just, it's amazing what can happen when it's just like held for you, right? It's shown you, the path is lit and there are some women who just take it and run with it, you know? And, um, it felt really powerful to witness and be a part of. And that's when I knew we were going to consciously conceive again. And I was, of course, going to continue down that path of, of um, not interacting with the system at all, right? And trusting myself. So you've only attended births outside the system. Yeah, so that's cool. it. And how many had you attended by the time it was your turn? Mm, let's see. So I had... Like five or something? Like five, five births. That's awesome. And Zephyr, I was pregnant for like three of them, which is so special and really cool. And well, so before we get into your pregnancy, is there anything at this point of the story you'd want to share about doing birth work outside the system? Like, that's a pretty cool it's a pretty cool path that you started 
with RBK and, and then with women's circles and, and then just started serving, which, you know, a lot of women ask us, is that real? Like, can you really just take the school and just start serving with no prior experience? And you're a shining example um, that we really hope to see more of because obviously we don't think women should go to 10 years in doula hood, you know, that sucks. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anything else you might want to share about your experience of becoming a mother <clears throat> um, and, and being this radical birth keeper? Yeah. Yeah. I think like the, the biggest thing was like having that circle and having those like monthly gatherings, being this consistent place for this group of women like it's just amazing the way it all just kind of like grows from it like women alchemize that energy and like they band together and I have seen like generations of pregnant women and babies and it all stems from the idea of like the consistent meeting and like providing that space and I think that was probably the it's like a lesson in and of itself. The idea of like, I'm not taking anything for these women, right? I'm not doing anything other than holding and creating space where they can be their most authentic selves, where they can learn to trust themselves and just being that witness. And yeah, the first birth that I attended, I was fucking scared. I was so scared. But to be able to know that like, I just trusted her. And I knew her because I'd seen her at least she visited like three of the circles that I had hosted. So I'd started to know her. We had started to build this relationship and it makes such a difference when you're doing this work out of sisterhood, right? Out of it like deprofessionalizes it in the right ways. Yeah. Yeah. And I wasn't doing it because I needed to make money or I was coming from a place of like, scarcity I just truly wanted to offer what I had to them and they were so willing to take someone who is very novice right like I'm not there to save you I'm not going to know how to resuscitate your baby that isn't my role here and just being really clear with that and like also accepting that for myself right like there is a level of knowing that I don't know <laughs> was I mean, like that, really that cool. should never that should never go away. That will actually grow deeper and deeper. Yeah. It has too, right? I actually don't know anything, but I'm here to hold that space for you. Yeah. And, and when you, yeah. you, do, you get your ass handed to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. It is a quite a big ask. You know, I think it takes a tremendous amount of emotional intelligence and maturity to be willing to serve women without the medical framework because it it requires the birth keeper to really be able to sit in the mystery and in the not knowing that mm -hmm. is pretty uncomfortable and can 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 be experienced as very scary in the medical framework you always know right there's always yeah. a diagnosis and an explanation and mm -hmm. I would say physiological birth doesn't really quite work that way it definitely doesn't. Okay. So you get to attend these wild births pregnant. That's so fun. And anything you want to share about your pregnancy? 
<laughs> so much. <laughs> oh, my pregnancy was actually really, when I look back, I'm like, oh, it was so good. It was so great. But I think I'm in this place of like wanting to create all over again. <laughs> Because in reality, when I look back, I was sick pretty often. Like my first trimester was pretty rough. I think I lived off of like milk, pizza. And like, sometimes I loved, I had weird cravings, like frying up liver and butter. I know, crazy. Yeah. So like that first trimester was pretty rough. And then the second was pretty good but moving into the third from the transition from second to third I got sick again like I I like definitely felt ill and I was just getting like so tired of having to nourish myself I don't want to. yeah I was like pissed about it I was mad I it's like pregnancy can feel like a full-time job it does feel like a full-time job. I will tell you that because I totally thought I would feel so good. And I'd be eating these big, beautiful, gorgeous plates of food, like all of the time. And I was so looking forward to that. And I was like really heartbroken when that's that part of baby. <laughs> yes. That's exactly what I took advantage of postpartum, <laughs> which is why I think I'm like my baby weight now. <laughs> Cause I was like, eat all the food I didn't get in pregnancy. But yeah, that was that was like a disappointing thing for me, but overall it was very useful. And the only complications that arose were the ones that I would like create for myself when I would try to pathologize myself and make things up pretty like much. Like um one of the things I made up was that I had like hypertension and that preeclampsia was like coming for me. Oh, uh-huh. Yeah. And my cousin, I was like watching her kids uh, a couple times a month in the summer while I was pregnant and she had blood pressure cuff. And I was like, oh, well, might as well just take my blood pressure to know how I'm doing this is the worst idea in the world. I recommend this to no one. I've never used a blood pressure cuff before. <laughs> and it, it did nothing for me, but allow me to spiral into these, like, I had no baseline of like what my blood pressure was like. And then, so to just like take it as I'm transitioning from the second to third trimester was just a shit idea. And, um, like some of my numbers were really high at certain points, but I think I would just work myself up and then get that blood pressure cuff on and be like, everything's fine. I have great blood pressure. And it's just like really high, but I, I didn't have, I mean, like the only sign was that, that I'd work myself up and take a blood pressure reading that was really high. And of course, like my feet started to swell up towards the end of my pregnancy. <laughs> and that was about it. Those are the only signs that I had any basis to diagnose myself off of. But I think this is the game that I play, right? Like I'm actually so healthy and so taken care of and so nourished and I'm not outsourcing this to anyone. So like, I've got to make this scary. Like I've got to make this well, 
Yes, know? we're all totally addicted to drama, but I think I think to give yourself a bit of credit also, I think it's a lot to, especially in your first you know term pregnancy to be unraveling, untangling all of the societal conditioning in like one pregnancy. Like it's, it's, it's a lot. And I think a lot of women create drama to test it. Mm, yeah. And like, that's a slippery slope, obviously. And I've seen that go terribly wrong for plenty. Um, meaning it would turn into like enormous self-sabotage, but I think for others, you know, like you were just like playing with it and testing it. And it's not like you went in and got an induction, you know, like you, you felt you went to the boundaries of, I'm assuming that you went to the boundaries of like your stress and feeling fear and like, you know, gaming things out and you still chose what you chose. So I I also think there can be quite a bit of like lesson and and growth in the deconditioning process. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, totally. I agree with you. I think that there is just like a level of play, right. And a level of meeting my edges and like this level of like, how can I expand, right? Like there's all of this physical expansion going on. So of course, like I'm just going to start playing with some of these shadows, right? Like these things, these densities that are really coming up for me. And, um, yeah, I I remember just deciding at one point to screw the cuff stop. And then if I really was concerned, what would I do for myself? Right. And so it was eat more protein, right? Like, are you continuing to take care of yourself? What does it look like to nourish yourself? And so like, I've just really got on that train and was, um, vigilant about making sure that I was eating, even if it like, wasn't exactly what I wanted to be doing at that moment. I was like, making sure to take care of myself and like changed everything because I knew I was like, well, what, where is this getting me? Right. What am I going to do? Enter into the system that I have purposely not entered into. So yeah. And that just kind of, I think it actually just also opened the doors for my birth and how I set that up as well. Like where I refused to allow myself any kind of out, right? Like we have a midwife here locally who some women use occasionally for blood pressure readings or like getting an assessment, like that kind of thing. And I just made sure that I never reached out to her. I remember consciously being like, if I do this, having any kind of backup plan I don't know, ensures my fate in a way. I felt like it was, um, it was almost like I would be setting myself up for failure by having some type of backup plan or some kind of out if something went. Well, and it, it medicalizes your pregnancy. Like if you engage with a medical midwife, you're medicalizing your pregnancy and that comes with enormous risk um, for what you're saying. Like to just, it's a slippery yeah. slope. So, mm-hmm. okay. So then, yeah, take us into, see, we've got the setup and, and what is it like leading up to, to birth and then tell us your story. Yeah. yeah. Leading up to birth. We live in a tiny house next to my parents. So 
we were actually adding on a room so that we had enough space. Like this amount of space made it like 550 square feet. <laughs> extra room. A hospital rooms bigger than that. <laughs> <laughs> we like made this extra room. Like my husband was like making this extra room and like he told me later, he was like, I was having conversations with the baby, like, don't come till the room is done. Um, yeah, I, you know, I never remember feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm too pregnant. I just like need to have this baby. <laughs> I think I remember telling you, I was like, I'm prepping for like 44 weeks and an 11 pound baby. <laughs> just so how let- far did you go? I went 41 and three, 41 and two, something like that. Yeah. Just after 41 weeks and a couple of days, she decided to show up. We were watching a episode of Jeopardy and then we turned the TV off and I kicked my legs on the couch. Because <laughs> you're a hundred year old. memory I have. <laughs> That's so cute. It, wait, I'm sorry. We have to pause there. Do you guys watch Jeopardy like regularly? We used to, yeah. That's amazing. That's so I know. funny. <laughs> like 80-year-old people at heart. Yeah, seriously. I love it. Okay, so you're watching Jeopardy. Yeah. We were watching Jeopardy. It ended, it's just like that 30-minute time where we'd like sit down and, you know, be jovial because it's Jeopardy. And <laughs> and uh, I remember kicking my legs up to like get on onto the couch and like kind of cuddle up next to Brandon and... I had like the biggest contraction that I'd ever experienced. And honestly, I didn't actually experience much in my pregnancy. I didn't really experience, you know, any of the things that women references like padromal labor or Braxton Hicks. I had nothing really at all, sensation wise. Wait till your next one. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> <laughs> actually I do have a vivid memory of once where I thought I was going to be birthing my baby in my second trimester I went for a swim in Lake Chelan and I was doing like the breaststroke you know with the froggy legs and I like did it so many times it felt so good and then the that evening we went to a uh, rehearsal dinner and like rehearsal and it's like over 100 degrees and I started sweating so bad and like I like my muscles were so sore. I thought I my water had broken and I was like giving birth to this baby Sorry. on this astroturf. Yeah. But it's not true at all. That was the only time I felt something. So the headline, the head the title of this episode does not need to be a free birth on astroturf. <laughs> Thank God. Thank God. It all worked out. <laughs> but yeah, I got like the biggest contraction I ever felt. And so I was just like okay, hey, Brandon, you want to um, like set, let's make sure the birth pool fits in that new room that you got set up. And so we had like moved this rocking chair out of it and set the birth tub up. And he is, I kid you not, siliconing the transition from the actual house that we had lived into this next room. And I was just like, I'm in labor. I'm in labor. This is so insane. And yeah, the contractions got really intense to the point that I was like not able to sleep. And like by 10 o'clock, I was just in my kitchen pacing back and forth. Um, just kind of like walking, 
the wind and like the weather just started picking up like crazy. I remember all of this like wind and like high rain. And I remember walking outside and just like, I'm like standing in my lawn and like the wind is like whipping my hair into my face and the rain's going and Ooh, cool. Like all of a sudden thunder and lightning starts happening. And You're I'm like, like ah! yes. <laughs> that's my primordial strength. Yes. I was like, <laughs> I just started bawling, just like crying so hard. Yeah. That was like a really pivotal moment where I was like, okay, yeah, like this is happening. Take me now. Like, <laughs> okay. Side note. I was at a birth once where a woman's water broke literally during an earthquake. Oh my God. It was insane. And we felt it because we were in LA. It was like a good earthquake and her water was powerful. And she was like, did I do that? (laughs) Like, did you cause the earthquake? It was amazing. Okay. This is the claim. This is what my husband says that Zephyr, my daughter and I like created the storm together for birth. Yeah. (laughs) That we conjured it up and because she, her name is actually like this gentle breeze, gentle wind. And it was like a shit storm outside. <laughs> um, yeah, so like I knew I was in labor. I'd gone outside and just like was trying to experience that, but the lightning kind of brought me back in. So I started making labor aid. Just like trying to do something with myself. It's like middle of the night, early morning. I can't sleep. And you know the oven clocks that are like so bright? And like this blue light, I just remember looking at that clock and being like, wow, they're five minutes apart. Wow, they're like three minutes apart, back to five. And then nothing. And then the sun came up and I tried to sleep for a little bit. And that's when I told um, my mom who lives next door that I was in labor. And I told her this so that she would stay away. Because otherwise she'd come like knock on my door and be like, let's go on a walk. And um, I did not want any of that. And so I had set this up really deliberately that she was not allowed near our space at all while I was in labor. And as soon as she got the message, she could like call whoever she wanted, which ended up being my sister who came over to support her. (laughs) (laughs) But she respected your space. She honored it. She respected it. Yeah. And I think that was really big for me was like during my pregnancy, sussing out whether or not I was going to have a problem with that. Um, Because I know that if I had like any inkling that she would have wanted to be there or she would have wanted to like see, I know that she carries fear with that. I just, I know it. She had two hospital births. So yeah, we probably would have been at an Airbnb or something like that if I felt that she was not going to be able to honor that. I mean, uh, most people carry fear with it, right? Like yeah. everyone, like it, it's a big, it's a big ask to hold that space without fear dominating. Yeah. And especially for a daughter. I don't know. Like I think about now that I have a daughter, like I would absolutely hold an expectation of what I'd want for her and like how scary it would be to I have to sit there and witness and have no control. Really? <laughs> oh, no way. Not for me. No, I, I know that I was holding it. But I understand. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> yeah. 
Okay. No, I, I get where she was coming from. Yeah. Yeah, but she's so, coming from trauma and you're not. Yeah. It's totally. going to be totally different. Your birth and your future births are going to be totally positive, embodied, intact experiences. And with that, I would assume I'm making this up about you because I know it's true for me. Like, okay, my kid's only five. So like, I guess things could shift, but I'm thrilled for her to give birth. I don't have any sort of like, it's like the most epic thing ever. Why would it be? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're not traumatized. No, we're not. Which is so great. So great. (laughs) Yeah, so great. (laughs) It's kind of why we do this. (laughs) Okay, so. Yeah, so then, okay, there's a whole complicated story in this, but my husband actually leaves for a little bit. He has, um, he's got like this appointment that he has to get to for licensing so that he, so that we can all have the same last name. (laughs) Oh my God. Bad timing. Oh yeah. It was actually really bad timing, but he was like, oh, I'm not going to go. I was like, you need to go, just go. There's no way nothing's going to happen right now. It's like nine 30 in the morning and everything had just kind of slowed down for my labor right? Like I was walking around, I was drinking water. I was able to like take care of myself. So I sent him off. And I remember he told me later, he's like, your mom texted me like three times. Did you just go somewhere? Yeah. Duh. She's uh, like watching yeah. through the window for sure. Totally was. Um, but yeah. And then it just kind of slowed down from there and it's all a blur, right? Like that day. So Thursday night, I get my contractions. We set up the birth pool. I can't sleep. And then Friday day, I am just like in and out of consciousness, like in and out of the waves of some contractions, sleeping, sleep, wake with some contractions back to sleep is like pretty much the ebb and flow of that day. And then that evening, Friday evening is where it like really picked up. And like, when I think back to my birth, I just think about how much I didn't want it to hurt. I was like prepped Brandon. I was like, get ready for the psychedelic sensual <laughs> trip of your life. <laughs> I mean, they're just like, says the maiden. <laughs> yes. Uh, and then it happens in, in uh, spoiler alert. How did it go? Spoiler alert. He at one point was like, asking me if he could touch my body (laughs) he was like can I hold you can I touch you I'm like yeah okay cool cool and he just goes in for my belly and I was like don't touch (laughs) yeah so that was the end of that and uh yeah it was a lot in in and out of the birth pool there was a lot of resistance that I had a lot of resistance to move through and my maiden really wanted to stick around. She really was like, it's cool. Divine ethers, take this baby back. It's all right. We just want to cuddle up on our bed with our dog and sleep because like, this is it, right? Like in labor, the internal conversation that is going on with yourself is like epic and out of this world. And I'm glad that's not recorded anywhere ever, but Um, I remember being like, you can take this baby back. You can take this baby back. And I remember 
like feeling her in my birth canal, like knocking, like knocking, like she was there. And I was like, no, no, no. And her and I have had this conversation since we're like, yes, I love you. I'm so glad, grateful you're here. And at first I thought it was like this battle between me and this baby. And there was like just this flood of realization that it was like, no, like you, you're going to be a mother. Like you're going to be a mother at the end of this. And yeah, I think that there was this level of being incredibly scared and like this resistance to embodying that and really taking that on and knowing the responsibility that laid ahead of me. It was like a really big internal battle. Um, my mother went out. Everything's great. <laughs> but yeah, I, I do really remember that as being like this point of resistance for myself. Um, and I really fought it. And I think, you know, I feel like the physical really emulated what was going on mentally, right? Like that conversation, like that physical aspect of it being hard and like of myself having resistance to that pain was really just like mirroring that for myself. Um, we're so programmed to resist pain, you know, it's so oh, hard. Oh yeah, like to dissociate, to get it, to take it away, to take a pill, to get rid of it. Not want it. Yeah. And just like knowing that there was even an epidural that could be available to me. Like I was, I took on so many other women's stories as my own throughout that birth, like pathologizing myself as things were going along. And like, I think it was just like me in desperation Totally. grasping for whatever and like trying to get my husband to like buy in like what? I remember this yeah like I remember being like something's wrong something's just like something's wrong and he's like what what's wrong what's wrong and I was like there's no blood and I'm in pain <laughs> he's just like okay that's a good one Oh my God. And then like, I had this list of women that he could call, you know? And when I said something was wrong, he was like, okay, okay. I'll just, I'll call somebody. Right. And I remember talking to this woman being like, something's wrong. There's no blood. I'm in pain. This isn't okay. And she goes, yeah, it sounds like you're in labor. And I was like, hang up the phone. <laughs> like, I don't want to hear these things. I want somebody to buy in. I like really wanted that Mark like, in the desert epidural. Although I will say here for anyone listening, if there's not that like, this is a great setup, but like, I am truly convinced if any maiden turning mother could see, you know, 30 epidurals before they themselves gave birth, Ooh. it would not be tempting. It wouldn't even like empty. It, it wouldn't even enter your mind because it's pitched in our culture as a get out of pain free card. And when you actually see it, it's not that at all. And it's so horrific to watch it get done and to watch, you know, the, the essentially the spinal tap and the, the incomplete pain. Oh, I just hit my mic. And the, um, you know, the mom getting high on narcotics and the disassociation and like, it's so freaky. If there's a way for you somehow to witness it, it, it really does, I think, take it 
take it away. But yes, the fantasy. The, I, I love the, I love the, the, like, can anyone buy it? And that's so funny. Yeah, I just like really remember it. And I like remember at one point being like, oh, he did, he bought in, he bought in. And then I look a little bit hard, he's just scrolling, you know, on Instagram. And I'm like, shit, <laughs> back to labor, I guess. Yeah, and I think that was like also part of the game that I was playing where like, I had to get out the last of like that programming, that idea of somebody can take this for me because there, there wasn't anybody to, and God, I'm so glad. Right. I'm just so glad. Well, that's why women free birth is so that when they get dramatic as hell and when they try to sabotage themselves, no one's around to support them in that, you know? Yeah, like dramatic as hell is a great way to experience it because I also remember learning a lot about rage while I was pregnant. And I was like, oh, I feel like I'll be able to like rage in my birth at one point. Like I'll be able to do that. And I did. Like I remember being so mad that it hurt. And I like punched the the birth tub, like the side of the birth tub and I punched the wall at one point. I was just like so mad. Tantrum means. (laughs) Totally, but this is birth. Yes, it's a tantrum. Tantrums are great. It's like so amazing. I just like wanted this peaceful psychedelic thing and I just got like hit with it hard. And like the resistance was absolutely there. But at some point my body was like, you're done. Like there's no more resistance that can happen. I just remember the first like real experience where like my fundus pushed down, my like head flew back, my back arched and like everything, like the force of the world was like moving through me. Like I was the channel. And like, that was the moment where I had, I had no words, like absolutely nothing. I was just like, I have no control. Was it psychedelic at all though for you, even though it's also like horrible and painful? (laughs) I think that this is the point where it did just like, that's where I entered another world, right? Like that's what I finally, like, I guess that was my spiral into the underworld. And then there I was just like in it. And I remember I had a vision and I'm still unsure of who was there. But it was like this woman and I remember seeing her feet and she had on like this white nightgown. And yeah, I even remember somebody else's hands with mine when my daughter did emerge and my husband wasn't in the room. So yeah, there was definitely like this psychedelic aspect to it, like where somebody was with me, I was visioning, I was definitely not in, in that realm. Uh, there were pieces of me that were not, and then there were pieces of me that were. Um, yeah, I had moved into the bathroom after like those feelings, like where I was just getting my ass kicked, and those were the waves, like where the back would arch, my head would fly back, and like my fundus would just push down. And I remember like kind of getting down on my knees, and working with those waves and I remember feeling down and I felt like this bulge coming out um 
and I yelled to Brandon that I was birthing my bladder. <laughs> I was like, it's my bladder. It's like blocking the baby from coming out. I haven't peed. Like this was full transition for me. And like, that's when he called down the list again. Cause he was looking, he's like, it looks white. And I was like, it's my bladder. It was definitely my waters. They had never broken. And it's funny to look back on it now and be like, yeah, totally. Carlin, it's your bladder. But there's like no rational side to anything that I was saying the entire birth. Never gone through it. It's insane. This is when I think about like, how can, how would I have consented to anything if somebody had told me? Like, there's no consent. There, it's, yeah, it's bullshit because that was just so crazy. Yeah, it was like not in my body at all. So, like, all of those projections came through and. But also, you have no reference point for a bag of waters bulging through your vulva. Like, I actually, it makes total sense that you'd be grasping at a, like what might seem like a more logical thing, you know, <laughs> it's not like if you know the birth landscape, but I don't think, I mean, you are not the first woman who has called me and told me my bladder's coming up. <laughs> really? That's so validating. I love that. Saw it. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and then I was on the phone with you, and you had, you had called us back after, God, this was early morning for me, Zephyr, so we got through Friday evening, and we were into Saturday morning when I really started going through, like, like this FER style, like, pushing, like, where my body was just doing it all on its own. I had no control, um, and I was on the bathroom floor on my on my knees and just like working with those. And I remember hearing your voice on the phone and I was just like roaring. And I remember you saying, those are the sounds that are going to bring your baby here. And it clicked. I was like, oh yeah, I'm in labor. So really, you only had a five-minute birth. So really, I needed that reminder 29 hours in, you know? Yeah. And um, just, like, remembering, I think what was really nice about the presence of you, right? Like, having a woman there in any sense was just, like, the reminder, just, like, being the mirror for me. Yes, you are in labor. Yes, keep doing this. Yes, relax when you when you can. And then bear down when you feel that. And it was so great to just like have that as I was actually just like moving through it and experiencing it. And just like having that mirror was um, made such a difference. It's orienting, right? Like that's what we need usually at that point is for someone to just orient us because it is so disorienting to be getting thrashed around that hard and to not know what which way is upside down and just have someone just be like this is what's happening 
I feel like I needed that so bad in my first birth and didn't have the right person to, yeah, to orient me. It's really yeah. right? Yeah, it totally is. Yeah, that orientation. Yeah, I'm so grateful for. And I mean, she at that point was was like, she was crowning, really. I remember my husband being like, your legs are purple. He's so worried about my legs. And you're like, maybe you can get up and shake them. And I'm like, no, she's like crowding. She's like right here. No way. Yeah. And I just remember relaxing into it and her little head coming out. And then her body was just like the next natural wave um, that I had. I didn't have to bear down with that. And she just slipped right out and into my hands. And I remember just like bringing her forward to me. Yeah, it was really, really special to see her like look at me and like looking into those eyes and being like, I know you, like I've known you for forever. And then she starts crying. And I swear there were other hands. I mentioned this, right? Like I swear there were some other hands there helping me. And I don't know whose they were because my husband had left the room to go get the right receiving blanket. He wanted like just the right blanket to like wrap her up in when she came out. And so his story is he heard some baby cries and he was like, was there a baby? And then he's like, that's my baby. And then he was like running into the, bathroom to find us and I told him it was a girl okay and then this is the this is an interesting part do you remember me wanting to like suck and spit not really okay I remember being like we've gotta we've gotta like bring her up to me like I had to like even though she's crying (laughs) yeah even though she's crying So this is, so this is a very interesting thing, right? Because I think it's just videos that I've seen of women sucking and spitting, but I had never actually seen it in person. All of the birds that I attended, nobody did that, that I had seen. And so she was crying bright and beautiful and didn't need any of that. And interestingly, more, if, if a baby is going to um, be supported by, by something more often than not, it's not going to be a suck. It's actually going to be a blow. Yeah. Like a breath. To ex- yeah. To expand, not to contract. Mm. Yeah. But for anyone listening, I mean, if you're, if you're, well, I've never seen a birth ever that I felt needed a suck. Mothers should do whatever feels right to their, you know, with their babies, of course. Right. But um, we had an interesting thread about this in the membership and a lot of women were very um, vulnerable in admitting that they did it because they had seen videos of it on Instagram and it felt performative and in retrospect, they didn't think their babies needed it. And um, it's pretty interesting how things trend. Yeah. Well, I actually love that I didn't do it mm-hmm. because what I ended up doing was like, I licked the side of her face. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, ah, yes, like baby. And I just remember counting all of her fingers and toes over and over again. Like five. Okay, five. That's normal, right? Like, 
my god in the in the middle of the night the first couple of nights this postpartum I just had it would be like stuff with the low Himalayan Himalayan salt lamp on and you know you're like tripping for days and oh yeah thinking I saw a sixth toe (laughs) and I kept being like wait 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 hold on And recounting, right? It's just five. Okay, that's so weird. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I forgot about that. Okay, yes, I love that I got to hear her first cry. That's really a special, a special memory for me. I remember laying in our guest room, laying on my side, listening, and getting getting to hear that. Yeah, so sweet. And you gave her, you gave us her birth time, which was so lovely to have that as well. Like there are just some things that are nice to have that additional woman there for. Um, And then, God, then I just was like, let's take me to the bed. I just need to lay down and relax with her. And I did for a little bit, I'd say like a good half hour, 45 minutes. And then I got up and tried to squat over a bowl near my bed uh, for the placenta release, but there wasn't, that didn't really work for me. So I walked to the bathroom and I had uh, Brandon turn the lights off and we were just sitting there. I was sitting on the toilet. He was holding baby. And um, I just gave a little tiny tug on my cord and my placenta just came out and then a bunch of pee. So it was such a relief. Oh my gosh. It's like the best feeling ever. And we did a lotus style birth. So I had like this beautiful wood bowl that I put her placenta in and I put salt over it and some herbs and we were just enjoying that beautiful time together. And it was so lovely to like call my mom and my sister over and be like, we did it. Here's a baby, you know? Actually, the way they got called over was kind of dramatic. Brandon was like, baby's here. We need help. <laughs> Which oh my was God, Brandon. Jesus. <laughs> it was super messed up because I remember, okay, like when you're sitting there after birth, like you're in shock, right? Like there's this level of shock that's happened to me. I didn't. I thought I would like cry and bawl, but it was like, no, there was just like this shock element. Yeah. No, that doesn't happen until day three. (laughs) Yeah. Definitely happened day three when my milk came in. I was like bawling and flowing from all orifices. Um, And I just remember like, you know, in those movies where somebody's high and like everybody's moving around them and it's just like a blur. Like that's totally how it felt. But I remember the look on my mom's face was like, she was worried. Hmm. Like, is everything okay? Like what's going on? And then Brandon was like, the message I sent like wasn't a good one I was like oh (laughs) it all makes sense now (laughs) she was like relieved and like happy and sweet and yeah it was really nice they helped us clean up and we were just able to lay there and enjoy our time that's ideal yeah it really was and then eventually I think after a couple days I finally just kind of like snipped the end of that really stiff cord off because it was just getting awkward and pulling on her weirdly but yeah that's it yeah nursing was like no problem at all I she latched right away after birth like after I 
I remember licking the side of her face and bringing her down to my nipple and she just immediately latched. And what a phenomenal feeling that is to have your baby latch to you like that. It's such a connection. Yeah, it's like magic. And it was, yeah, it was so easeful. We haven't had a problem at all, which I'm very, very blessed to say. Yeah. Yeah. And now you're getting ready for another one, you think? Oh man, she's 14 months and I'm starting to feel that creative energy again, like that. I want to channel it differently. I'm like, okay, pump the brakes. Let's channel it. (laughs) Start a business. (laughs) Start something so that you don't have another baby because I want a little bit more time, about two years. And then we'll see. It's nice to take a beat in between nursing and pregnancy again to like just have your own body attached you know it's totally like have my own body back but it's amazing how just like as a woman right yeah we're still nursing yeah Yeah. we're still nursing I know it's starting she's like yeah she acts a lot like a two-year-old so I'm just like waiting for some of that separation to come it's like I'm already feeling it like I feel like she's more like 18 months and we're working on that idea of it's like leaving that part of the relationship entirely and I think that will just naturally happen in the next few months for us but it's amazing as a woman how I'm starting to feel that separation and I and I'm already craving that fusion again in like this new way so I'm exploring that and what that looks like and as if we're designed that way yeah who knew (laughs) thank you love it so proud of you yes thank you I am just so elated that I'm here speaking with you about this I remember finding this podcast forever ago and yeah just to come full circle and be here with you and it's pretty cool to like fully embrace this yeah the the womanhood and the women's work and it's it's what we need in this world and I'm humbled to be a part of your your lighthouse and everything that you are thank you girlfriend I love you love you And that's it for today, my sisters. Check out everything we do, including one-on-one and group coaching, learn about our private membership, in-person retreats, and more on freebirthsociety.com. Our online courses are on freebirthsocietycourses.com, including our flagship course, The Complete Guide to Free Birth. Don't miss the Radical Birthkeeper School if you're ready to become the authentic midwife that women are searching for. Together we rise. And the revolution starts inside each of us. I'll leave you with our Free Birth Society theme song, Wild Woman by Aruba Red.
you for the wisdom you held, the ancient traditions of plant medicine and womb magic. I feel the spirit of the ancestors as I place my hands upon my belly. This sacred portal will be honored. Eons upon light beams of survival withstanding the eradication of our power by design. I will not allow the separation of our young to be forced upon me. My sisters will no longer birth in captivity. The picket line redefined from burning our wild women to paralyzing us and drugging our babes. Strapped down in a clinical white bed, drying up the milk from our breasts, keep your needles. My family will never again be doomed to chase those dragons or your poison. We reject your fear. We choose love. Everything with intention. Death, ascension. I will fly and bring her back from the stars.